0: Hey everyone! Today's episode is brought to you by Blinkist, a subscription-based book summarizing app that changed my world about four years ago. When I became a new mom, I couldn't read all the nonfiction that I used to, but I still wanted to stay up to date on the greatest titles that were coming out every week. Blinkist will summarize and make bite-sized yet complete some of the best titles like Thinking Fast and Slow, Tipping Point, and Sapiens, so that you can read them in 10 to 15 minutes on your phone without missing any of the important details. They also have an audio version if listening is more your speed. Visit their link in our show notes, or let's try that part again. Now our listeners can get a seven day free trial by simply visiting the link in our show notes, or going to our website, healinggroundmovement.com and visiting Partners in Healing and clicking the link for Blinkist. Sign up today and start learning more. I hope you enjoy today's episode, another fabulous book brought to you by Bridget Gosper-Dangle as we discuss what it takes to create that final eighth step. Welcome to The Healing Ground Movement, a podcast dedicated to revolutionizing how we think about our bodies and our health. I'm your host, Dr. Carly hudson DC. And i have lived my life in pursuit of holistic healing and care that goes beyond symptom management if you've been listening and like what you're hearing head over to your favorite platform and leave us a review so we can reach more people with our important message enjoy today's episode hey everyone and welcome to another episode of the healing ground movement podcast i'm your host dr carly hudson and we have a fantastic and exciting guest coming to us from the east coast today Bridget Dangle-Gaspard is the author of The Final Eighth and the founder of the New York Voice Dialogue Institute. She is a former performer who earned a master's degree from Columbia University and teaches at numerous professional settings, including Omega Institute. She lives in New York City where she maintains a thriving private practice. And you can visit her online at finaleighth.com with that eighth being the the number symbol there. But thank you so much for joining us, Bridget, and for sharing an advanced copy of your book, which is um, due out here September 15th, correct? Yes. Awesome, and so by the time you're all hearing this lovely podcast, her book will be available and ready to read, and I have been enjoying it myself. So thank you, welcome. Thank you, it's great to be here. And New York, how are things out east in New York these days?
1: So far, so good. The weather is gorgeous, because sometimes fall in the northeast is uh, lovely. Um, So leaves are starting to turn. So it's in the backdrop of COVID and the unrest, it's wild how nature still keeps to its seasons quietly. mm -hmm. And hopefully, as a world, we can start Mm -hmm. to pay more attention to that.
0: I think that'd be wonderful. I think so much of what we're asking for these days is to get back to what is simple, natural, and um, unyielding in that way.
1: That's a great word, unyielding mm-hmm. in the best sense. Like this mm-hmm. is, we're going around. You know, we're mm-hmm. just, This is how the globe works.
0: Exactly. Well, and I think that there's someone yielding that we'll, we'll get into in a little bit of discussion of your book and the voice dialoguing that comes because as we, you know, we have so much in our life that we want to look towards what is um, comfortable and desirable. And yet there are pieces of ourselves and, and pieces of the world around us that are just that unyielding, um, but have so much to teach us even in that lesson.
1: Absolutely. So, I do this work called Voice Dialogue, which was developed by my mentors, Hal and Sidra Stone. And it's really a revolutionary method of talking to different parts of yourself. And so our primary parts are the parts that we know, and they're lovely. We are not against any part. You don't ever want to get rid of them because they do all have wisdom. But some of them are are painful to embody, but if you don't, you're negating a massive percentage of who you are, but Mm -hmm. also there's wisdom. So I agree, those are unyielding because they want to be heard. If like you're constantly um, visited, say by an envy self or a pessimistic self or those cells we don't like to feel, but Mm -hmm. have a lot of
0: wisdom. Um, it's, it's so easy to attach judgment to names like that and to say that they are unworthy. Um, but, you know, in the grand scheme of things, there is neither you know, good nor bad, simply what is and what can be obtained. Yes, exactly. But I think we're getting ahead of ourselves here because <laughs> we don't even know what the final eighth means yet and, and the nature of your book. So could you tell us a little bit about what you've created to share with the world? yeah absolutely so the final eighth enlist your inner
1: selves to accomplish your goals is a combination of my life's work and it it happened because i became a therapist after i was a performer as you had mentioned and so while i was performing i stumbled upon this work called voice dialogue very synchronicitously. and i'm really mm-hmm. glad my intuition said chase that down that sounds amazing and so in those days chasing someone down meant you found their 800 number so i called them up and eventually they became my mentors and so voice dialogues you go visit different parts of yourself and you let that part talk from its point of view so you would never ask a very polite part of you to be a little bit ruder no you let that polite part just talk about what it cares about and energetically and physiologically they're very clear when you start to notice so i recommend listeners really just start to notice people as they walk through their shopping, uh, the malls or whatever, and see if you can see what selves people are walking in. Because you don't even have to know the story. But, But what you find out is that all of these parts are connected to your vulnerability, and they have the noble goal of protecting your vulnerability. So mm-hmm. as a performer, I loved it because you could literally use voice dialogue as a creativity tool. And so if I was working on a character in a play, and I think you can see I have a bit of energy, but so if my character was really laid back and didn't speak very quickly and thought first before, that's, this is hard for me, <laughs> I, could ta- I could go to that part that really speaks last, maybe takes it all in first, Mm -hmm. And I just loved it because you didn't have to work for it because they all live within us. But what I found out as I studied more voice dialogue and became trained as a trainer uh, of trainers, basically facilitation training, the healing power of this method was unbelievable. I watched how people's sense of self grew so far beyond what they thought they were that ultimately I did move over and I went back to school and then became a psychotherapist. Because I just wanted to use this method more for the healing, because I knew if if anyone is healthy, then they're going to have automatically more energy for creativity, as I imagine goes with your work as well.
0: It's true that we can spend so much time um, in the drudgery of what's not working. Again, neither good nor bad. But in, in the the fighting upstream against, um, you know, a body part that is complaining or an organ system that is underserved, or in the case of your work, you know, a part of our wisdom, a part of our life experience that is being you know, essentially told to go sit in the corner and mind its own business. And what I love, and if anyone is listening, again, I mean, um, we we have the video um, of our interviews as well. So if you're listening, this would be a great one to pop over onto our YouTube channel, Healing Ground Movement Podcast, because when watching Bridget um, talk about the slower, more thoughtful person that speaks less, and here I am doing the same thing, the body posture changes. And we say, you know, that there are so many archetypes to how we embody and how we express ourselves that you can identify when someone is feeling down by the slump of the shoulders and the caving over and the protecting of the heart or that exuberant energetic where suddenly that heart is open and, and we have everything to give. And watch Bridget do the exact same thing as she's talking about watching people in the store and seeing what story they're coming from. It's fantastic. So, yeah. <laughs> so we have all these different aspects. And, and the title of your book and the aspect of your book is really about achieving our goals and how so many times we can get through that seven-eighths. Seven which is just the, the hardest fraction to say, I have decided, through the seventh eighths of our goal. And then we get to that last bit and it is the, the constant failout, the, the language that we start using self-sabotage. Mm. So where do these aspects of ourselves, these, um, these parts of us play into the self-sabotage story that everyone's so familiar with? emphasis on
1: self, right? In terms of my work, which cells are the ones that are sabotaging. Mm
0: -hmm. So
1: a a few things. One is, I think we have unconscious places where we have permission to be and do, and Mm -hmm. we have no permission. Like you're not allowed in certain places. So I think partly what happens is that people are comfortable working hard. My clients, it's not about not working hard, not being creative. These are creative, disciplined, hardworking, dedicated people. So, part of the final eighth is when it's a mystery. In other words, if it makes sense why you're not going, then take the strategy that seems best and move forward. But this is when it doesn't make sense. I'm dedicated. And so it's the the final eighth is a mysterious stall inside of the finish line. So what's going on? So most people have a lot of selves that help them get there. And what happened was in my private practice, it came out whole in my mind one day. I just was watching a particular client and I went, this is a final eighth. And then I realized, it's a thing and, and everything is easier when you can put a label on it and not in a negative way, but like, okay, now I can identify it. Mm-hmm. And in my practice, I had lawyers, I had creatives, and I began to see it did not even matter what your profession was. Cause sometimes creative fields, it's like, oh, well, you know, they're sensitive in that field or whatever. There's some type of, uh, like, I don't know, free pass or something.
0: It didn't well, we matter. Well, we can stereotype and let people off the hook of like, oh, you're not supposed to do that. But in in what I'm getting from your book and from your um, lessons is that that's not the dominant, permissible self to do that.
1: Yes, exactly. (laughs) And it's all unconscious until you figure it out. So what happens is at the final eighth, you suddenly need to embody different parts of yourself to cross that finish line. You go from, I am a contender and all the selves that are comfortable with that, but I'm not comfortable being a victor, triumphant. And so what we find out is often those hidden selves that are just unconsciously saying, mm, nope, I'm not comfortable, this is scary, that they're usually dedicated to some distorted early beliefs from childhood, core negative beliefs or world views that are like cliches. Oh, a fool and his money are soon parted, which makes people fear Maybe investing in themselves, or how to handle large amounts—the larger amounts of money that they may actually make in Mm -hmm. their new position, or um, you know, successes for other people, not you. Those kind of things. So some of these selves are actually just trying to be loyal to their family credo. So even though it's distorted, we honor those selves. And part of the book is we also bring them up to date. You're not living in that house anymore and because this really is for people who have worked so hard they have a lot of skills and so they are safer now than they were in their original household when they did have to fit in and so what happens i think at the final eight also is people lose access to the skills they already have and that's part of the mystery like i know how to organize my time why did i forget to send that one letter that mattered that day Mm -hmm. and it isn't about time management but you might fool yourself it is it's about the self that's too scared to let that letter go out and then you have to actually deal with what I call "yeses" from the universe, which mm-hmm. are much harder than we are led to believe.
0: Mm-hmm. I think that, yeah, especially in um, the the American way, and in, in the personality of Americans, it is um, we are embodied with this this drive and this hard work and and reaching for that dream, but that final grasping for it, you know it. It has, I think particularly in the last 10 years and in the decades that I came of age, it, it belongs to that 1%. It belongs to someone just out of reach. So we have almost, almost this cultural permission to work hard but not gain
1: exactly and Mm -hmm. that's another thing with voice dialogue we're very clear that all these selves are culturally bound Mm -hmm. so that they that that they are of the culture they're from and and now that you say that i never quite thought of it that way that's exactly right but that feeds the one percent too Mm -hmm. meaning if if basically you have 99 percent holding themselves back (laughs) then that's a whole le- less that those one have feel that they have to defend against. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a psychology that we just play out. And that's why I call it sometimes a, an inside job. And I always mm-hmm. like to be very clear. If there is racism, there is injustice, um, there's unfairness, and that is not a final eighth issue. That's actively somehow you're not getting access to the resources you need. Yeah. And that wouldn't be a final aid issue because again, I like to honor life on life's terms, but it's when it's a mystery, like, okay, mm-hmm. you got the degree, wait,
0: you mean they invited you and you didn't go? That kind of thing. <laughs> like the car was waiting for you at the curb. What's going on? Exactly. Yeah. And I, I love that you brought up that yeah, when we have systemic oppression built into a culture, I mean, that that is not... That's not a moment to talk about bootstrapping yourself and saying what's going on with you. That is that is the system we're in, and and I'm very curious to know because we're, we're um, the podcast is listened in, in 43 countries around the world and we speak to the American experience a lot because you know I'm smack dab here in the middle of the country. You are in the metropolis of the United States in New York. Um, it, If you come and join us on Facebook, I'd love to know what country you're in and what cultural givens are speaking to you as you're listening to us here. I think that'd be really fun for both Bridget and I to learn, to learn what's going on. Um, So, okay. So this is really about the self and that self-reflection, what's limiting you. And I know when we first talked and the, the first thought that came to me is, Okay, but not schizophrenia, right? Like how is this, are we, are we pathological here having these different selves? I'm so glad you brought that up, uh, correct. It is not
1: pathological. (laughs) Voice dialogue and all kinds of parts work, actually. The premise is that our healthy personality consists of many selves. So if you have a brain disorder, an emotional disorder like schizophrenia, Mm -hmm. probably it's not a good idea to use voice dialogue because you don't have a fullness to get back to. You're already fractured. However, if you you might not go to a different self but I bet even people that are struggle with varying brain uh, diseases if you said to them if they needed it, can you bring your superpower um, of your just getting through it part of you like you know you you still could use that language because I think and brain imaging is showing this that a lot of the way we think of ourselves if you Think of mm-hmm. a self, they've done imaging where it's actually in different parts of the brain, one self, so that um, I agree. And the other thing about uh, the voice dialogue, people still talk about Sybil. And mm-hmm. and so I want to assure everyone that it's a legitimate concern, which is that we're addressing, which is, am I crazy? None yeah. of us, that's a terror. That's a human mm-hmm. terror. And no, you're not crazy. Sybil is actually a trauma-related a terrible illness called Disassociative Identity Disorder, and this is not voice dialogue. That's a particular trauma uh, illness that happens because of trauma. Mm -hmm. So no, voice dialogue is healthy personality. Uh, Walt Whitman is famous for the song of the many selves. Mm -hmm. So it's along those lines that we have access to different parts, archetypal energies you talked about, which is part Mm -hmm. of this, that's human existence.
0: And I think it's something I love that you brought up, Walt. Women and songs of ourselves. Um, just that it is this idea that while we we have voice dialogue, we we have a um, you know professionally trainable, leadable kind of practice. The idea of this has been you know, going on for for decades and centuries of just who am I today and who am I bringing with me into this room? And we see this in casual uh, you know, colloquial references of the kind of fake it till you make it or the um, dress for the job that you want to have. All of these are asking you to step into a piece of yourself that is maybe not the predominant one, not the comfortable one for the situation you're in, but inviting it into the spotlight to see if you could enact that self until it becomes comfortable
1: exactly and that, that and it's wonderful and voice dialogue basically uses the natural way and and maybe enhances it a bit just as you mm-hmm. describe
0: so could you give us sort of the reader's digest version of what is voice dialogue what is this technique that we're talking about so
1: voice dialogue is just a technique where you start and center. And um, actually every third Thursday of the month, I have a free zoom shop. So anyone who's interested in seeing just a small basic voice dialogue session can join, just contact me, uh, you, you too. But basically you move to a different part of the room and it can just be a few inches if you don't have a lot and you talk from the eye as the self. And so with voice dialogue, if I'm I'm Bridget, and then if I go over to a self that's primary, say, let's say, Uh, a responsible self. Mm -hmm. And I would talk from the eye as the responsible self. And Carly, as you know, we had a little trouble starting and my eye was very worried that I would look flaky or Bridget would look flaky, actually, we would say. So as Bridget's uh, responsible self, I come to her with a lot of gifts, etc, etc. Now, the thing that I might do as her responsible one is maybe I don't let her say yes to spontaneity. That could be one of my stings. Like I limit her life, but I expand her life by making her able to show up in very important places. So with voice dialogue, I would look, ask, maybe find out where I live in Bridget's body, that kind of thing. So then we come back to center and we would go to a different self. Now. Uh, We could go to self like irresponsible one, like one that appears to be directly opposite or a different opposite. Sometimes with voice dialogue, which is what I love about it is I'm like, well, let's see who's on the other side. So it could be a bit of surprise. And um, let's see, I can feel one coming up, but basically uh, just a a kind of, I'm I'm feeling the energy of a self that just doesn't want to do anything. (laughs) And so we would talk to that self. And, and again, I'm the i I'm the part of Bridget that doesn't want to do anything. And so nobody would ask me to just let me do a little bit. No, tell me more. That's one of the big questions. Well, I don't want to do anything ever. And here's what I just want to sit. I want things brought to me. I want to live in a hotel where there's room service and I just never leave my bed. That's what I want. And so you just let the self talk. And then when you come back to center, mm-hmm. Me as Bridget, I can feel the expansion. Plus, it's kind of fun. But also, then I don't have to pretend that there isn't a part of me that just literally wants to be spoon-fed like a princess. But, (laughs) exactly. And then energetically, I have to, um, and what could be the gift of that one? I don't know. What would be the gift of your spoon-fed princess self?
0: Oh, I think um, I definitely have a predominant personality that wants to go and do, and I am so good at achieving burnout. And so the spoon-fed princess needs someone to take care of me. I am not good at asking for that, and that that part of me wants to be (laughs) spoon-fed.
1: Exactly.
0: Instead
1: of say again,
0: (laughs) and my pillows fluffed.
1: Oh, I like
0: that. My spoon-fed
1: princess likes your spoon-fed
0: princess. (laughs) (laughs) We'll we'll go get a hotel and order room service next time I can come to New York.
1: Good. Can we have the massage person come to our room? But (laughs) why not? Exactly. So here now, instead of labeling that part lazy or whatever, we're like, that's right. If you don't listen to that spoon-fed princess, then actually what happens in I'd love to hear your thoughts is that Mm -hmm. that's often when diagnoses come in. Some people do not stop until the pain is so great somehow, whether it's an injury or Mm -hmm. or an an illness. And then suddenly spoon fed princess has your calendar for two weeks. When, Mm -hmm. if you had just listened and done 10 or 15 minutes like a bath once a week, you Mm -hmm. might not have, gotten that illness or injury, because you would have listened to the gift of her, which is slow down sometimes, Mm -hmm. ask for help. Don't say yes all the time, which the responsible one is like, oh no, a hundred yeses a day is a hundred too few. You need (laughs) two yeses a day.
0: Yeah. But I I love that, that, um, the giving that, that spoon-fed princess, that other personality, that credence for that 15 minutes a day, to me, that just speaks to this, uh, I don't, I, the first thought that came to mind was to call it almost yo-yo dieting of self-care. Is, oh, I love that! <laughs> so it's this idea that like I am going to burn myself into the ground and then go do one weekend for myself and then come back and do it all over again. Rinse and repeat. Versus the, the really nourishing self-care when we talk about food as medicine, rest as medicine, sleep as medicine, um, self-awareness in these voice dialogue kind of technique being in that category. As medicine, it is the daily dose, the daily listen um and so you know when you asked about my my thoughts and experience around it i can i can tell very clearly that i ignored my spoonfred princess and any of that uh, well into my early 20s and was met with uh two years of clinical depression like it wasn't two weeks off off on her it was two years of needing help to being pushed out into the world you know and the and the lesson becomes do you really have to get that burned out every time before you'll stop and slow down
1: <laughs> that thank you for sharing that mm-hmm. yeah because the other thing i always say is the stakes are that high mm. don't get seduced cuz your spoon-fed princess is a bit amusing mm-hmm. that the stakes aren't as high as two years of your life mm-hmm. because the other thing is that we don't have it in us physically. You can do the burnout yo-yo a few times, but you don't have a hundred years on this planet. You, you die sooner than that. If you don't listen is the other thing. If i can be, I don't know, oblique
0: or something. It, well, perfectly Frank, it's the truth. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't take care of yourself, you can. You your body gives you so much leeway. You have more than you need for just the sort of human experiences of pushing yourself too far, burning out, um, breaking that bone. Like we are meant to heal and knit back together, but we only have so much.
1: Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's um, another reason. I just I'm so glad I'm able to share this work so that uh, readers can get step by step guidance because. Right the power of these selves is profound, Mm -hmm. profound. And that's the other reason you start to shift your relationship with those selves that are supposedly the problem when you're stuck, Mm -hmm. you know, in front of your final eighth, because you realize their care for you is life and death. Now they might be distorted. So then once they're distorted and you realize this isn't life and death. Okay but another, uh, I worked with a client and I'd worked with her for a while. And, and what we, what ultimately came out was there was this little quiet self who kind of told on her a tattletale self. And then she said, I'm not letting my client go any further because she's got a drinking problem. And she like whispered like that, like a little three-year-old that's, you know, like mommy ain't well. Mm -hmm. And then we came back to center and my client just wept because she She agreed. This tattletale was telling the truth. And the worry was that as she got more and more into her field, which was a very social field, so required would be drinking and parties. And how could she manage that? The drinking would have gone out of control. And wildly, it was unconscious. She would have told me, but it just never occurred to her to talk about this. Well, then of course our work completely shifted. And until it was clear that that could be handled from that little one's point of view, there's no contest. Let me think, mom be an alcoholic or mom be, ha- be uh, you know high in her profession? No, not be an alcoholic, the end. Yeah. So it's, it's true, these, these uh, concerns of these mm-hmm. selves, even some of them are teeny little kind of inner children's selves are enormous.
0: Mm-hmm. And what you've brought up here and all these different selves that you have um, used as examples is, and I like the word you use, the, the sting of them, mm. the, the what, what they give and, and what they take essentially. So even when we go back to that first self, the responsible self, and, and Bridget was sitting up on the edge of her chair, her shoulders were back, she was ready to, mm. to, to take the minutes of this, of this meeting here, <laughs> um, is, is that you said the sting of it was that no spontaneity. You know, for, for you and, and your expression of that. So this something that we have touted as being, you know, the goal for our children. And of course, we want our children to be responsible, we want to be responsible, but there is an element of too much of that medicine takes away the spontaneity of life and the laziness you know, too much of that medicine is nothing gets done and your hotel bill is ridiculously high and you have you know the two years of depression, but there is a dose of that medicine that is really powerful. That's the rest and, and rejuvenation. So it's again, neither good nor bad, but what are the gifts and what are the stings? So in that sense, you know, I think, can we talk a little bit more about why it's important to listen to these bad selves, the inner critic, the procrastinator, the resistor, the, the temper tantrum child. Mm. Mm-hmm. You said bad. And I like that we
1: use the yeah. word negative and mm-hmm. not because it's bad. Cause I know mm-hmm. you weren't really, but because oh, yeah. there are,
0: there are. Air quotes. for anyone who's not watching, there are air right. quotes on that bad. <laughs>
1: Yes. Um but we and cuz they're not bad but they're negative in the sense they feel bad. That's uh-huh. how we feel it. And they do. That's how they get your attention. Envy full body response, you know. Yeah. Um uh, uh procrastination. So they have gifts and often I I tell people who are like I don't want to go to those parts. They're my thorn in my side. I'm like, "Okay, but they have your calendar right now." So mm-hmm. usually it's like, "Look, you want, you think you want your goal with every fiber of your being, but the truth is not every part of you is on board and they're winning right now. You're not doing the thing. And that's why. Don't go because you want to. Fine. Don't want to. That's okay by me. But if you really want to unra- unravel the mystery of what's going on, you've got to talk to these selves. And then a lot of selves then when they talk, they're thrilled to talk because they've been hidden and pushed away for so long. So the same questions you would ask for primary cells, you'd ask for disowned cells, like what's your opinion of the final eighth goal? What's your role in Bridget's life? So you've got a sense of the bigger picture for this part. And some of the selves, um, they're like, you know, she calls me lazy, but I have a different name. And they will literally name themselves. They might say, you know, I'm Ms. Sensuality. So take that, you know, <laughs> and she calls me lazy. I call, there's nothing I don't feel. But other selves love their name. Um, I don't, so for example, I'm trying to think, I think of a client who had said the the B word, right? So Mm -hmm. we went to her B word, although she said the whole word. I don't know what's allowed here. But um, this part said, I am that. She claimed that. (laughs) She loved it. And then one of the other questions, and again, this is anyone can do this. It's in the book. It's like, oh, what's your favorite success story? So I'll even ask the procrastinator or the B word, what's your favorite success story? What did you make her not do for so long? Or the B, how like mean and uh, like vengeful were you? Oh my gosh. Okay. And they're like, really, I can talk about this because those are very strong selves. Mm -hmm. Then you get back into the center. Your fear is If you enter your, like you said before, procrastination self or your angry self that you're going to burn down the barn. That's Mm -hmm. the fear, but it's not the fact. The fact is usually once they're listened to and you understand their concerns and you deal with them directly because they're legitimate concerns, often they're like, no, I don't care. I never cared about that final eighth goal. She can have that. I just needed this to be dealt with. A lot of them just back off immediately. And so mm-hmm. often the other thing people think, oh my gosh, it's taken this long to get seven days of the way there. It's probably going to take that much longer. No, sometimes it's like lickety split. Oh, mm-hmm. that, da, da, da. all right. I have the strength now. I can put on the CEO shoes and make that call because now I understand what's going on. Now I'm going to make sure I have that massage once a month because I'm not going to put it off. I'm not doing yo-yo. It's all responsible. And then it's all hedonistic or that kind of
0: yeah. thing. Well, I love that, the, the fear about the burning down the barn. And this just reminded me of a book we just got from our neighbors, from my daughter, who'll be four this fall. Aww. And it's a book that I had when I was younger and, and here it is back again. And of course, I can't remember the title, but it's the, there's a dragon in the house and Ooh. the dragon starts off the size of a kitten. And the little boy goes down and says, there's a dragon in the house. And mother says, there's no such thing as dragons. And so he starts ignoring the dragon he just wanted a pat on the head and it gets so big that it takes up the whole house and runs off with the house like it's a, a shell on a snail's back Ooh. and all the dragon wanted was a little attention and as soon as they acknowledged that there was a dragon in the house went right back to a kitten size and the mother says well i don't mind dragons if they're this size and so of course the lesson of the book being if you pay attention to the dragon the resentful self the the angry self at a kitten size, it may just stay that size. It may just want to be a kitten. Mm -hmm.
1: That's so beautiful. That's exactly right. Mm -hmm. And and I often say the reason that it's a flame throwing dragon is because it had to be that loud for you to listen. Mm -hmm. It tried meowing, it tried grinding down, like it tried and you kept
0: ignoring it.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: That's beautiful. Well, and again, and I just like how you're talking about that because there's like so many metaphors we were talking about getting back to the nature and getting back to the natural seasons and cycles. And I think we see so many things happening in our world, both with racial tensions, environmental tensions, healthcare tensions. That it was a lot of things where the initial conversation about these issues were quiet. They were a nice little kitten saying, "Hey." You know there's a there's a problem over there and and now now we got a giant dragon so we see that you know as without so within and can we can we give the attention we needed so as not to have a giant dragon in our house
1: and there's a place for dragons Mm if there are and they and we and that's like many feels over so that they can have the room to play Mm -hmm. the other thing is if if like you let's say um if you need to have a temper tantrum because you're just so angry about something. I actually tell, give people, I don't know if you have these in Denver anymore, but I know they're gonna disappear. But in New York, you used to have these massive yellow page catalogs. They were called yellow pages and they were just phone Mm -hmm. numbers. Well, for some people, for punching the pillow is okay. It's not, and it never did anything for me. Good. Um, Yeah,
0: not enough resistance.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Well, big catalogs, whether it's like real estate catalogs or the yellow pages, That gives resistance. It's so helpful because I know, you know, as a chiropractor, that energy has to go somewhere. And Mm -hmm. so I love what you're saying, because then if if you have dragon that needs to come out, then help it come out. That might be go outside, bring the phone book, go have privacy, whatever it is you need, and then tear that thing apart. And I've had many clients take me up on that. And then that energy is expressed. And Mm -hmm. then you actually probably another part comes in. Okay. This is a situation that needs dealing. What do I need? Do I need my icy cold um decision maker? Like how do I need to address this? You but that that big fat feeling often needs expression in and of itself. And that's welcome too, but you have to have a safety con- safe container.
0: Mm-hmm. It has to be expressed. So when we have those places that aren't safe, you know, the 10, the, I just, I'm going to add that to my list, temper tantrums. I know that's a shock to any of my family listening, um, <laughs> okay. the temper tantrum self okay, so I don't, I don't have a temper tantrum self. Are you kidding me? I am a responsible what mother. What stuff is that? Mother. That's, that's, I, I don't, doesn't have a name, but dismissive, a dismissive. Right, but it's a whole, what is that? There's no chickens here so, so it's fine. It's fine. It's delicious. Um, but you you say that you know even if we don't want to look at them directly they still somehow make themselves known they still kind of sneak in and you know turn yes. on the lights how how do we observe that
1: well in uh, with voice when i do voice dialogue just as a facilitator sometimes i'll say let's go to the symptom mm-hmm. and then we literally go as the headache or the heartache or whatever is, the, or the neck ache, mm-hmm. and so sometimes a lot of voice dialogue is not verbal. The communication could be purely energetic, and when you come back to centers when you process it. But the truth is, if you don't pay attention to these cells that are about, and, and a lot of cells don't want them to be about, so you, you're right. Mm-hmm. The, the dismissive self, you know, but that other part is there, mm-hmm. and so they make themselves known often quite physically, like a headache stomach ache. And then I would say you listen because it boils down to slowing down mm-hmm. a lot of the time. And culturally, as we've been talking about, at least in um, America's, uh, pe- con- uh, what is the, 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 those of us that are ambitious and those kind of things, mm-hmm. that's just almost taboo. <gasps> oh no, I don't need slowing down. You know, mm-hmm. that's also that's a brilliant. lot of, so, yeah. And that's mm-hmm. weak mm-hmm. too. So, I think that you pay attention because otherwise they're going to just take more and more of your physiology, and then, mm-hmm. like you probably deal with that in your practice too then um that little lower back pain goes into spasm, and then it's they almost need an ambulance to get to you they can't even get to you they're so in such mm-hmm. pain, and that's why you pay attention to don't want to that's okay to not want to but ultimately you're going to have to. So your decision is, do I do it when it's easier to take in the message and pivot or when I'm flat on my back? Mm-hmm. And those are your real choices. Otherwise they're, fi- they're fake choices.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I like that it's, it's here, whether you like it or not, it's just how loud, how big do you want that dragon to get? And I know I've used the example on other episodes in the past, but I have had a number of patients that, you know, I, not not to toot my own horn, but we, we get people we get people better here, but there have been a number of patients that um, are are stuck in this kind of chronic condition, and you know I throw everything in my toolbox at them, and still we get them good, we get them better, perhaps good enough, but it 's never totally gone and then finally, I see them months later, maybe they had that last appointment months later, and they come back and they tell me that they left that high stress job so they could have more time for themselves. Um, Broke up with the partner that was um, having them feel so motherly and take care of them all the time. That this self that was overworked finally got the break. And it was that smaller self that was just trying to tap and get as loud as it could saying this isn't sustainable showed up as headache, back pain, foot pain, something that was no longer biomechanical even if that's how it manifests.
1: I love that. It's amazing.
0: Yeah. And also
1: something, I mean, maybe you want to throw Mm -hmm. to a potential client. Certainly I do. You're making me think of this. Mm -hmm. What parts are afraid of vitality? Mm -hmm. In other words, that's, I love what you just shared, but I think also some people, they don't know what to do with just, you mean feeling good? Like it's Mm -hmm. not a state they've ever known where Mm -hmm. I have inner serenity and outer physical health. And so that can be something to just explore um, because it can be terrifying because it's an unknown state and we are physiologically designed to be afraid of the unknown.
0: Oh, I love that you just said that because, I mean, can we just say it again louder for of that? <laughs> if you don't know what it feels like to feel good physically, mentally, emotionally, um, you know, trauma response coming up in childhood, uh, physical illness coming up, you, physiologically, like Bridget just said, we want what is comfortable, what is normal, what is familiar. And even if it is a pleasant thing that is unfamiliar, we will avoid it in favor of what we know. Exactly. As survival. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And it puts us in, and I think this is a phrase that you've used in the book, the double bind that yes. where we, we hold ourselves in those positions.
1: Yes. It's like you're caught between a rock and a hard place. Again, it's unconscious and you're in this double bind. And one is the seven ace, all the cells that say, let's go. But if if it really is unknown to just feel good about your accomplishments and have general health and general serenity, good enough of all Mm -hmm. of those, it's just an unknown state to you, then there's other parts that are actually worried about betraying your family members because somehow you are making them wrong. Because you are, you're like saying, you know, what you were told as a child is the limited amount of options you had is not wasn't accurate, for whatever the historical reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, that sometimes then in it, it takes some grieving, like mm-hmm. to be sad that you shaped your life. So that you kept yourself smaller than maybe you were actually physiologically designed to be. But then you get the freedom that comes after that. And you can still love everybody in your life, but you don't have to follow their principles of behavior.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's that conversation that so ha- often happens when we do that self-discovery, we do that change, is you go back, you, you go back home again, you know, the metaphorical home, yes. your neighborhood, your school your whatever, and, and the people that you knew don't recognize you anymore. Oh, you've changed. You've forgotten where you came from. And the truth of the matter is, yes, to serve you better. You have worked very hard to forget where you came from in a sense, in that heart sense. And that's, that can be a grieving process for you and, and for your previous community, the community that held the value of the selves that no longer serve you.
1: Exactly. And you're Mm -hmm. right. I think that's a lot of the grief is that some of those people will not come with you Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: you do have to make the choice. Do you stay and keep yourself smaller? And, and yeah. And, and I talk about that in my book, like some friends that you could meet every week and enjoy the coffee and kvetching, they're literally not going to be available for Java and joy. And that can be heartbreaking and so I think also this final eighth process makes you stronger because it's about tolerating the distress. Like we've been talking about on and off, like reality on reality's terms.
0: Mm-hmm. And in that, reg- in that regard to reality, we've talked several times here that, you know, we are not um, separate from the world in which we live. So how does crisis um, and certainly 2020, the year in and of itself as a year of crisis, how does that impact ourselves and which selves get the spotlight?
1: Yeah, I I mean, a lot of people were literally wrenched from places they loved, the Mm -hmm. office, the gym, that Friday night restaurant bar that they would go to. And so there's grief there, like they loved that life. And so they still have to find out in how they can access parts of themselves that can be resilient during these times. For some selves, it actually is maybe a little bit taboo, but they're secretly okay with it and I'm not talking about people who have the illness or lost people that way or out of um, jobs, but some, I've read a lot about how introverts are like kind of in heaven.
0: (laughs) Oh, I'm i an introvert and I will now admit publicly that not having any um, external invites to turn down for several weeks was the best feeling. Oh my gosh, it was amazing. It was a relief but you know, not one that you were supposed to celebrate at the time.
1: (laughs) Yes, that's a perfect example. And again, going back to culture, in our culture, extroverts are what you're supposed to aim to be, Mm -hmm. but that leaves a lot of wonderful, brilliant introverts kind of like, but I'm not that. And so that's exactly right. And voice dialogue gives room for introverts and extroverts. And so there was a lot less anxiety for the introvert because there was nothing to turn down. So, and then I think some people surprise themselves and just to be, to uh, honor that and recognize it. So some people may have been dealing, say, with hospital systems with themselves or relatives Mm -hmm. and, and these resilient, organized, brilliant selves who handle two households worth of kids at the same time that they kept their stuff going. And then I just say, don't minimize that. Like they needed super powers in your Mm -hmm. family situation and extended family and you provided it. Good for you. Don't forget that self. When COVID calms down and I believe that it will, you still have that superpower. And when you want that, give it something fun to do. I even have a chapter like upgrade some of these selves and give them tasks worthy of their nobleness. So Mm -hmm. that's another thing that, um, can come out. And then one you mentioned before that you need help. And if you're used to being super independent and prided yourself on that, Mm -hmm. you may have to ask for help. I don't understand this uh, prescription system in my insurance. It could be anything. So then you have to admit maybe that you're not thinking as clearly as you like, or you're feeling too emotionally vulnerable to make the calls to the bureaucrats that are really cold and mean potentially. So there's a world that can be addressed of inner selves with this COVID and the injustice, and where you can fit in making the world a better place. Ultimately,
0: it's true. We really get to know ourselves as rubber meets the road. Um, you know, I, there is a big um, uh, cheering around. We can do hard things the, these days. I love this phrase that's coming out. I think Glennon Doyle is the one that really that really brought that to the forefront. And it's not about hard things in that. American bootstrap way, but things that are uncomfortable for you. And, and I like, again, that vulnerability, I can keep using myself as an example. I think examples are great at illustrating, but the asking for help, asking for help is a hard thing for me. And I have had ample opportunity to practice as I negotiate childcare for that four-year-old in her dragon book, um, that we, we, I didn't have to before, I had my systems in place, I did it myself, I found it all, I, I, I got it. And COVID comes and of course, there are many parents dealing with the school system and childcare as it is. And because of that asking for help, that that vulnerability has provided with me, me with relationships that I didn't have before, um, community that I didn't have before, because that is the sting of the independent is the island. Um, and so I I lost that connection. It is a gratitude for having to do hard things and and almost a promise to that help that that vulnerable self that can ask for help is that I'm gonna let you keep doing that because I gained so much from it. Mm
1: -hmm. I'm not afraid anymore Mm of that part. Yeah, no one thought less of me.
0: (laughs) Say again. No one thought less of me for needing that strange thing.
1: Right. Well, I was going to say, I I, I was going to pick it up before and now it's come back, is that then again, the outside pressure, people are often shamed Mm -hmm. for things like vulnerability. So it's, again, the idea that we're fearful of say, asking for help, if we're really identified with independent selves, and I am one of those, (laughs) it's, it's, really scary to think you're going to be shamed or rejected. And again, back to these fundamental protections from the self's point of view, but then you miss out on the gift. It's true. Mm-hmm. And then you also realize, oh, I can tolerate the distress. Sometimes it's not about all sweetness and love. Mm-hmm. It's not going to feel fab and glowy, but it will feel uh, energizing and something that just makes you realize you're more than you think
0: you are. Mhm it's a different kind of gift it's it's when we take success out as the one the the one trophy we are reaching for and allow it to be expressed in any number of things i i like it's it's this gift it it is anything that you need to unwrap in this particular moment yeah My favorite thing about your book is well, I love the whole the whole progression through it. But my favorite thing that I think is so often missing in these discussions, and I've seen it in in one other um, book about self improvement and changing relationships, it is the option to walk away. Mm. Um, You know, so often when we have these self improvement books and these self help books, it's about you know push and go until you have done the thing you meant to do. And that sets up a dominance of a self, as we've already been talking, that doesn't actually leave space for the wisdom of, of the things you might not have been listening to. So this chance to mindfully walk away, that feels like a failure. What, what's with that?
1: <laughs> I know. Well, I love that. Yeah, exactly. Because those other books are really for the primary self system. They're mm-hmm. like, okay, you know, they're on the seven eighth side and they ignore that final eighth and that there's a reason you're struggling there. And so some of it really is back to some societal pressure or maybe you just were always told that's what you should be, but it really was never yours. And so in this chapter, I really, its this book is not for type A personalities. It's for all the letters of the alphabet. Mm -hmm. And it feels so good. And it's not easy. But how many people are A, B, D, all but dissertation? So many people have written or struggled with their dissertation, but they never get it to the point of getting a PhD. And it can plague them for decades. And so either finish it or walk away because then all that energy is yours. Like the moment did maybe pass. And I give a lot of uh, room for that, because then what slowly kind of comes to the foreground, ground mm-hmm. if you're curious, could be fascinating. And it's because I worked with someone who was very gifted, and that's another one that she felt because she was so gifted in her painting that um she that 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 she was kind of obligated to share mm-hmm. it with the world because it was a gift from God, and she had grown up in a very uh, strong fundamental religion, and so in the work discovered that, um, wow, I didn't know I still had parts that were measuring things, whether they were sins or not. And um, again, we discover these very strong feelings. And then what she came to was that she had to deal with her friends, her extroverted friends who wanted her out in all the galleries mm-hmm. and say, no, I really, I'm glad you love my paintings and I will sell them to you, but I'm not doing the art scene. I don't want to. It's not me. I love my painting. I love what I do. I love my relationship. And that was big for me. Like, right. Walking away is just fine too. As I like to say, no is a
0: perfectly good answer. Hmm. I love it. And, and what you kind of touched on there is when you have this, I always imagine like this open tab in the you know computer of your brain of the all but dissertation, how much energy of your heart, of your brain space, of your shoulds, of your shaming for failure, are you devoting to, I never did my dissertation and I have failed and I'm not a PhD and, 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 and. And as soon as that chapter gets closed where can all that energy go that is actually creating something? Yes. Mm.
1: And grief could be involved there. Meaning Mm -hmm. that again, the letting go is not this easy four minute uh, agenda on well, I think I'll let go between right before lunch and then I'll (laughs) know. I have five minutes. I can let it go right now. (laughs) (laughs) Just let go of that decade. And what's next? It's not, I don't, we don't want to paint it that way, Mm -hmm. but but it's, but what you get is this massive gift of energy and what now and what resonates today, whatever that today is Mm -hmm. and what you've gone through to get there. And I'm sure you work with it with people like maybe getting back to your healthy condition still means you can't join the sport you love. I actually, I had a chiropractor who I adored, who retired (laughs) and, um, He ultimately became a chiropractor. Of course, he's a wounded healer because he, um, in his youth, didn't listen, was an avid bicyclist. And so his chiropractor said, look, I'm not treating you anymore after he he didn't do what the chiropractor said (laughs) over time. And Mm -hmm. he said, because the next time you probably need surgery and I don't know what will happen. And I can't, it's too scary for me. You can't keep doing this and I, I can't keep treating you because- you're going against what your spine can do, mm-hmm. and he said, that was a great wake-up call. And he ultimately became a chiropractor later in life, but I just think that's really wonderful. And he's healthy and vibrant. Uh, he was probably seemed a couple decades younger than he actually was, but he could never go back to the competitive bicycling he once did and be a vibrant, creative, full human being. Mm-hmm. So. That's part of the letting go. It's like sometimes you have to say goodbye. It doesn't mean you didn't love it, but it does mean you have to let it lived its life and its chapter mm-hmm. is
0: over. Yeah. And I like that you had the ant because there's, of course, still a choice in that. He could still be a competitive bicyclist and injure and hurt himself and deal with the consequences of that or find another way to express himself physically and have that vibrant life. But we don't always get to have both together. And, and yeah, sometimes we do have to have to choose that. And the walking away. You were making me think of an example and it's just it's come and gone and that's maybe it it'll come back. but, but it is um, you know you want to see people succeed and you want to see people, that best expression and it's hard and you know you know for for right or wrong if that chiropractor saying I can't treat you but but finding that um the reality of, of a voice outside of you or maybe the opportunity to listen to another self that says um this isn't serving you it looks great but it's not serving you
1: Right. And actually, the other thing is, and it may feel great, like my guess is, and I'm making it up, is that when he was on that bicycle, he had that euphoria of just the, you know, the athletic flow. But don't confuse feeling great at that particular time with it being good. Just like don't confuse negative emotions, aka Mm -hmm. painful, as being bad.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and that can go to a whole nother side discussion um, that we often have in our, our, our conversations here on The Healing Ground is about addiction, about it doesn't just have to be a substance. You know, if it feels good to have that freedom um, on the bike, but you're ultimately destroying your body, your relationships, your your final eighth in some way, then that feeling is a, a really great band-aid that doesn't serve you.
1: And get and- that this you're making me think here's a little secret um we also have those substance selves so Mm -hmm. you could actually go if to your um drunk self that Mm -hmm. when or easy breezy self that you get after a couple glasses of wine or if someone if it's a different drug for someone Mm -hmm. else so also you can get that same flow completely without substances Mm -hmm. that's what's all also really cool. So making that decision doesn't mean you don't ever have to be in flow. Mm-hmm. So that's a fun experiment for listeners to try. Just think about, okay, what do I enjoy? And, or coffee, the coffee buzz. You, know, mm-hmm. you could get into your buzzy self without the coffee.
0: And, and I wonder, as you bring this up, when we talk about those subtle ways that these selves c- come in, is, you know, is getting high in some way or another, um, the way you give permission for that personality? and if we sat down and did some of this dialoguing could we have could we have a healthier way of getting that personality's wisdom without the abuse
1: totally totally mm-hmm. and often you're right as an abuse or a substance user dependent however you want to look at it mm-hmm. they often then it's like it is the permission that self says that's okay we've got this wine and that'll be the excuse it's not mm-hmm. me it's not bridget uh, mm-hmm. You get permission that way, whereas maybe you can get permission from your social butterfly self to mm-hmm. just move into that self when you go to the party, and now mm-hmm. you have permission to be a little flirty, a little sassy, and then go home and have a nice night.
0: Yeah, and I think about that with um, with mom culture, this whole wine o'clock and mom culture thing, which is is so pervasive and so damaging because it's in a sense culturally and again that's where we get our permission flips um culturally teaching moms that you need to have all of your issue, all of your all your stuff together all your poop in a group and be that perfect mom who's organized and has extracurricularized your children and the healthy meals and everything unless you have a glass of wine in your hand and that's the permission slip for being a little sloppy, letting the swears slip out, forgetting the homework or something. When in reality is moms are human, dads are humans too. And we, you know, I think we should be allowed to swear without the wine, <laughs> among other I things.
1: Agree. Mm-hmm. And also that wine probably helps them feel, not feel certain feelings, mm-hmm. you know, that they're not measuring up or, mm-hmm. you know, fine I'm good with the kids but my marriage is a little bit tattered Mm -hmm. and those are hard but the wine isn't going to help any of that go away Mm -hmm. but if you're like you know what I think we can arrange a babysitter and maybe my partner and I can have an afternoon and an evening together like there's other ways to move into what that substance was letting you feel Besides mm-hmm. the permission, because a lot of it literally is our physiology. Ooh, that feels good. Or, mm-hmm. Oh, that feels awful.
0: And then, and what self is asking to be heard in that moment? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love it. So, <laughs> so, and then finally, okay. So we, we you know we have the choice. You know, do the final eighth or walk away and find a new uh, a new passion and, and start a new journey. But both of those, to me, become successes in and of themselves. But what happens after happily ever after? Because now we're in a new state. We're in that vulnerable, unfamiliar area. And for me, I know it's really easy to be like, cool, touch the goalpost. I'm going to go back where I I was comfortable. So see you there. See you never. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And
1: exactly. If we're lucky enough to have a final finally, there is always a first aid. Mm -hmm. And so to be prepared for that. I have a chapter called practice safe success which addresses just what you're talking about because you you could just then di- just kind of disappear backwards. And so the final eighth means you've got to be able to eventually welcome the first eight. And mm-hmm. and that with the what you've learned ideally you welcome it with the same curiosity. What resonates now? What what do I want to do? And and um, and so I think a lot of times the seven-eighths, stay, people stay halted there because they want to avoid the first eight. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of, in, in writing circles, there's a lot of people who are, have like four novels that are seven-eighths of the way done, but they are terrified to bring it all the way out because then it's finished and they have to deal with the empty page again. Mm. And so I think a lot of times that's another reason that uh, gets uncovered is like, oh, What will you do after? You know, When you win the Olympics, which is a total success, because a lot of time the final eighth is a success issue. You've been a wonderful parent. Now you're an empty nest syndrome. Like you did everything good. And now you're still at this new place where you're not Mm -hmm. sure who who you wanna be, what you wanna do. And so Mm -hmm. that's the other thing I bring out is that this is success issues often. It's not because you failed Necessarily, but it's because you succeeded and now you have a first aid. And what are you going to do? So practicing safe success and using the voice dialogue method for this new chapter, the first aid, absolutely applies.
0: And it's what comes next. And it is, I mean, how many have this kind of post blues that I mean, and a lot of these, and again, I wanna be very respectful that there's a lot of clinical diagnosis that can come with us. We're not gonna be glib about postpartum depression, but there, you know, there's baby blues, there's um, there's always that down. I remember when I was planning my wedding um, and then after the wedding, there's sort of this emptiness of I've been planning, I've been planning this big event and and then what? And the empty nesting and I made it all the way through college and I worked hard and I graduated and now what? It's that and now what moment that is terrifying i i wrote my whole book it's published now i'm an author now what this is all uncharted territory
1: that's the yes and Mm -hmm. there's no permission slips and there's no map for your Mm -hmm. personal uncharted territory however there's lots of guideposts to help but if you're really gonna fully put yourself out in whatever manner only you can do it only you can know Mm mm-hmm And you can have your small business, but still, ultimately, it's your own small business. So you'll have your own ways and um, joyful moments and traditions. And that's fun. But but everything, even if it's a generic word like business owner or middle manager, ideally, if it's yours, it's going to have your stamp on it in the best sense of the word.
0: Love it. Oh, that's fantastic. So I, I'm so excited. I'm, I'm doing the work through your book. I'm, I'm working through meeting my personalities and, and to have this resource that is absolutely a um, a, way, a way shower. It's not like you said that only for the type A personalities of just do it, you know, that, that falls flat of the working with the nuances of what's working and what's not, not necessarily what's good and what's bad and And to have this gift of moving on to what comes after happily ever after we don 't get a roll credits for each stage of our life. Or we certainly would hope not to one roll credit at the end that 's the goal. Um, I second that <laughs> um, so this is a, a fantastic resource. Thank you for for creating it and bringing it into the world and and where can people find it um, we 'll we'll be listening after september fifteenth so um, where, is, where are you published? <laughs> well, thank you.
1: So anywhere books are sold, you mm-hmm. can be, get Final Eighth and list your inner selves to accomplish your goals. And you can find me at finaleighth.com, or if you Google my name, Bridget Dangle Gaspard, I'm all over social media and the web. And please do get in touch. I love to know what selves people are in relationship with, sometimes wrestling, sometimes hugging.
0: Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Bridget. And thank you everybody for joining us today for this episode of the Healing Ground Movement podcast. Uh, So glad you were here. If you took a little something away from this, please join us on social media, Instagram, Facebook. Let us know what you're thinking. Let us know who you're getting to know and maybe what they're teaching you. In the meantime, be well and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed what you heard and got a little something out of it. Now remember, the information expressed in these interviews is for informational and not diagnostic or treatment purposes. However, I hope you find that having the right information and resources can go a long way to helping you on your healthcare journey. Ask the right questions and seek out professional help.